is a podcast that seeks to bring the church world and the art world closer together. My name is Matt Anderson. Thank you so much for joining us. I would invite you to please subscribe or follow this podcast and give us a five-star review and rating on your platform if you can. And if you do that, I, I do hereby promise to personally deliver a cold cut platter to your home. For the next three episodes, I want to focus on what I call uh, just some potential pitfalls for artists. Uh, Obviously, this applies to anyone, uh, as you'll hear this play out. But since creative people are our main audience, uh, we want to talk about some things that can potentially become harmful, especially if good things start to happen in in your art and you begin to get noticed and... um, and things just start to progress. You see, it's my contention that there are a few things in life that uh, when they come upon us, don't necessarily change us or change who we are. They more reveal who we are and accentuate or exaggerate who we are. In other words, it takes who we are and multiplies it by a hundred. Uh, now, some believe this amounts to uh, just change, like, oh, you've changed. But I believe that the things we will be discussing really don't change us. They're, they're just us on steroids. And these are more or less anabolic steroids for artists. <laughs> um, and I want to highlight these because uh, God being God, uh, we will all be blessed in some way with different things and at some level with probably all of these. And I think we need to be aware of how these blessings, that if our character isn't right, can become pitfalls, Um, especially if we're not personally aware of our weaknesses. I've had the, uh, the fortune to marry a number of couples over the years. And it's, you know, it's one of the great, uh, It's one of the great features of being a minister of the gospel. Um, Creating a a wedding ceremony, I love it. Performing that before an audience is, uh, and yes, I did call it that, performing it. Uh, One of the great duties, I think, of being called of God. And it's a great responsibility, uh, to be honest, because I'm I'm accountable for uh, for the marriages that I perform. I don't marry every couple that comes my way. Um, I have to stand before the Lord for the people that I pronounce man and wife. And it's often painful to say no, uh, but ultimately I have to please the Lord more than people. Um, so because of my personal requirements, <laughs> which really fly in the face of the world's philosophy these days, Let's just say I don't do nearly as many weddings as I used to. Uh, But that's not because I changed. It's because the prevailing thinking of many Christians has changed, and it's become more of the world. Um, But when that does happen, when 
when there's a couple, uh, when there's a, a, a potential husband and wife here that I'm getting to work with, uh, part of the process and the majority of the process is uh, premarital counseling. This is where we kind of go in depth to uh, probe uh, all the potential blind spots in a marriage and missteps that uh, a couple may face and prepare them for success down the road. Of course, you, you can't prepare for everything. Um, it would just take too long and, and be frankly too depressing. But one of the things one of the things I tell every engaged couple before me, I always say, I want you to guys, I want you guys to realize that marriage does not change who you are. It accentuates who you are. It exacerbates who you are. In other words, the, the great things you love about your fiance are only going to happen in greater degree and better degree in marriage. And you will love that and cherish that about them. Conversely, the now petty annoyances and irritations that you might have can become absolute bear traps when you're married because it's you together all the time and you're making decisions and you're handling money and you're paying bills and you're you're making choices uh, down the road when you have kids, trying to coordinate schedules, um, prioritizing what matters in your family. Uh, the product of that will intensify all things, uh, good and bad. Marriage doesn't change who you are. It just merely exacerbates it. This is why we need to be, I think, really careful romantically uh, about who we let through the gate of our emotional and spiritual and social lives. Now, forgive me, but uh, somebody's got to say it, artists. Uh, I don't know what it is about artists, but they seem to love crazy. I don't know. Don't get mad. Please don't get mad. Um, just some artists just like crazy. They love having chaos around them. They I don't know what it is. Um, but, uh, sometimes, sometimes we just love to invite crazy into our lives. And I, I don't mean to use that in a harsh term for, you know, people with, with mental issues. I don't necessarily mean that, but it's, it's just, uh, some folks just behave weird, y'all. I don't know how else to say it, but, uh, or artists themselves are so crazy that, we get so into what we're working on and doing that we can forsake our spouse and we work at the same level and pace as we did when we were single. Um, and, uh, and, and in fact, often artists are looking for people who can kind of enable them in that, uh, which I guess if that, if that works, then great. Uh, as long as you're not neglecting your spouse and, uh, fulfilling your scriptural obligations to them. But, you know, we, we see this sometimes with some of the most successful artists of the past is how they virtually, and we've, we've highlighted a couple of them on this podcast before, how they've almost neglected their family. Um, they got married, but, you know, it was just a spouse on paper. Their real spouse was their art. And some applaud that. And there are people that we adore today artistically because of it. But I'm not sure the Lord sees it that way. Now, again, when, when you get married, it's not like you have to put down your paintbrush or your camera 
uh, or your computer or whatever it is that you use to create. You don't have to put those things away because this is a for life thing. And God's calling on your life as an artist is a God thing. So it's not an either or, it is a both and. So I, I think it's important that uh, you as a couple, especially before you get married, if, if one of you is creative, especially, I think you have to work out expectations. Because sometimes uh, I, I've known you know many wives who didn't really utter it, but inwardly just assumed that when they got married, uh, their husband wouldn't have any friends anymore because they would spend every waking moment and every uh, unplanned leisurely moment with their wife. And uh, so a lot of times wives will forsake their own friendships. And then when the husband doesn't do that, uh, we're, we're off on a bad road. And so I think to the same degree, uh, I think we need to talk about how art and creativity are going to play a role in the marriage, not that it becomes a mistress or an affair in a sense, but becomes a uh, uh, becomes just a calling that is still done in the light of this other very godly thing called marriage. And it's just something as a couple you have to work out. And maybe once you get going, you have to kind of go back and look at it again. And just understanding this is when they're going to create, this is when they'll be available to the family, and you work it out. Things that are unspoken eventually become volcanoes. Uh, Colossians 3 says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. So I, I think artists have to work things out with their spouse so that there isn't neglect of the marriage, but there isn't neglect of the calling of creativity either. In fact, uh, it just needs to be a point of discussion before and probably after the marriage happens. Um, I also want to make a recommendation on another note with marriage that I think is wise and I, I wish would kind of become culturally norm. Um, because right now, it's just downright countercultural. I'm a personal believer in pre-engagement counseling. And think about it. So many things. I wish couples would do the counseling thing before they get engaged, before the ring gets bought, before the reception hall gets booked, before the caterer is called. Because what happens is, by the time they come before me, all of these wheels are in motion now. And they've put down deposits and thousands and thousands of dollars have already been spent. The wedding dress has been selected. And so what happens if something comes up in premarital counseling that really is just downright serious? What if for the first time somebody brings up something from their childhood that was traumatic but has not been known by the other person? Uh, at that point, we got to pump the brakes. Because I'm telling you, and this is what I tell couples, if there's stuff in your past sexually that they don't know about, they need to know before you get engaged. And I know the, the, probably the fear is if it doesn't work out, it could be ammo that they use against you later or something like that. But look, if you can't trust them at the beginning, then there's nothing there. And it, it's good to know these things because if, if they become, if they become exploding bombs, at least you haven't 
you haven't come to this no point of no return where, well, I just, we'll, we'll just keep going and we'll work it out after we get married. Oh, my friend, you will not. And it will absolutely explode in your face. I, I just want to put that bug in your ear about pre-engagement counseling, because look, you know, you know, when you're talking about marriage. So, you know, we don't have to have, when somebody gets proposed to, it's a surprise, but it's not a surprise. So let's let's try not to have this lifetime movie sort of hallmark movie understanding of engagement and all this kind of stuff. We want this to last. That's the point. And Christians are getting divorced at the same rate as people who aren't believers. Something's wrong with that. We're not doing it right. And marriage can make us or break us as people and as artists. And so what we have to do is prepare as best we can and as, avoid as many pitfalls as possible so that both of our callings of creativity and marriage can be fulfilled. So um, I'm afraid I need to apologize here for uh, my kind of lack of professionalism. Um, I've been, but I've been waiting for this call. Uh, I, I need to take it now. This is my mechanic, uh, Bill, uh, Bill Runner. And uh, he's kind of doing some routine kind of maintenance oil change kind of stuff. But I, I guess he needed me to call. He needed me to call and whatever. So, uh, Bill, you're there. Hello. Um, Bill, is that you? Uh, yeah, Matt. Uh, this is your uh, mechanic, uh, Bill Runner. Oh, oh hey, Bill. Uh, I want to thank you for uh, taking my call here. Uh, I know you're very busy. Now, I know you brought in your Honda Accord for a uh, routine oil change and uh, tire rotation, but uh, I'm afraid there are uh, some other issues that uh, need to be considered. Oh, okay. Now, I, I know you uh, can't see me right now because uh, I'm on the phone, but uh, I am holding a clipboard in my hand. Ooh, well, that's not a good sign. And you're right. Uh, this is uh, not a good sign, as I, uh, as I believe there are many things that need to be addressed. The first off is uh, the air filter, which uh, you need for the overall uh, performance of your uh, vehicle. And it uh, looks like it hasn't been replaced in uh, quite some time. I think I got one like three months ago. Exactly. Yes, uh, which means uh, you're definitely going to want to uh, get that switched out today. Yeah. Now, right now, uh, we have a, a special uh, Spam 34D air filter. Uh, parts and labor will run you about $62. Hmm. And then, of course, is the engine filter, which uh, should not be confused with your air filter or overall auto filter. Oh, okay. I took a look at the one you have, and it looks like it is starting to show some mold on a microscopic level. Oh, that sounds serious. Now, it's going to be potentially serious in the next 100,000 miles or so. So I think hmm. uh, since we're switching out one filter, we might as well do the other. And uh, it will save in the labor cost. Uh, well, if you say so. I mean, you're lucky. You're lucky that we have uh, the Ohio Zoil N50-6F engine filter on sale for only $81 with installation cost. Uh, okay. I, um... Now, judging by the mileage of your car, I think uh, you're definitely due for a transmission flush and radiator flush. Uh -huh. uh, looks to me like it's long overdue. Oh, really? Now, once again, you're very fortunate that we're running a special on this right now. I mean, it's our 
Baka promotion. It is uh, buy one flush, get one flush. Oh, wow. wow. How about that? And I can get uh, both of those done today for about uh, $475, where normally it would be 480 Oh, wow. Uh, that, that doesn't so seem like... So the last thing that uh, we need to discuss is the most serious. Matt, it's... Uh, it's about your stress compressor. My what? Your stress compressor that uh, calibrates the uh, viscosity, uh, fuel efficiency, and ultimately the overall variance of the vehicle. I, okay, I have no idea. Now, what... you are in serious need of a new one. Yeah, I, I figured. Now, this is a specialized part that we will uh, probably need to order from Canada. Uh, it might take a day or two, maybe more. Uh-huh just depends on how fast we get it here. I'm probably going to need to uh, keep the car here for observation. Wow, kind of like a hospital patient. <laughs> uh, frankly, Mr. Anderson, I failed to see the humor in this situation. Anyhow, I am confident that we can get that replaced rather quickly for only about uh, $1,200, which is actually a steal. If you know how stress compressors work. And I don't. And we've decided to top off your blinker fluid at no additional charge. I'm sorry, my what? So, I don't quite have a total on all of that yet, but uh, hey, it's your car, right? Uh, for the moment. Uh, any questions? Uh, just the uh, nearest location of my bank so I can ask them for a loan. All right. Thanks, Bill. talking about uh, potential pitfalls for creative people, and this first of the three-part series is focusing on relationships. And we just spoke about marriage, which can either really um, enhance and bring so much joy to our lives, or it, it can be the opposite if we're not careful. Um, in this segment, I want to talk about children, because this is as biblical as it gets. Uh, Ephesians 6, Paul writes, uh, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So I think another relationship that accentuates who we are, it doesn't change us, it, it just reveals and accentuates who we are, as opposed to changing us, is, is uh, becoming a parent. And if you think your time to create will be challenged in marriage, just wait until the kids arrive. Um, so I said this before with marriage, and I'll say it again here with children. Um, not every artist, but boy, an awful lot of us have experienced dysfunction uh, in our lives, particularly early on. And again, unless we do something 
very different. We know we will only repeat the behaviors we experienced as children. Now, if you're not aware of that, let me be the first to say that to you. We have to intentionally do something different and learn where things went wrong. Because if you're just kind of a little impatient now, when the two-year-old in full glory starts going at it, whoa, Nelly. Now we'll find out how really impatient we are. And so if we've grown up in dysfunction, now that we're aware that we need to intentionally do something different, and so probably some good Christian counseling and therapy would be well advised. Um, we need to be more than just not them. You know what I mean by that? Sometimes that's the writing philosophy of people who've grown up in dysfunction or, you know, especially artists, if they just grew up in a dysfunctional thing, a lot of them just don't want to deal with it at all. And they, they will let their spouse deal with all the parenting stuff, and they throw themselves sometimes into their work. But if you actually do want to give this a running shot, it has to be a higher mission than I'm not going to be like they were. I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad you definitely want to improve upon that. But unless you have specific things to work toward, then what will end up happening is you will swing the pendulum in the opposite direction so far. That uh, they will probably grow up as very spoiled, entitled kids who uh, believe that the world owes them something. And we end up kind of, you know, spoiling them to death because we feel like we were treated so harshly as kids. So we're going to, they're going to be the little prince or the little princess. And then Lord help you when that's what they turn into. So we need to be more than just not like them. We, that's where the therapy, I think, and the counseling comes in. So we, we find out, how do I do this really biblically? And I still discipline, but I, I don't discipline out of emotion. Uh, I do it biblically. Uh, how do I lay down boundaries for my kids without making them attractive so that they run towards them uh, instead of keeping away? I want to dive deep a little bit into verse 2 of Ephesians 6. And of course, it's, it is mentioned as part of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, honor your father and mother. And I used to, uh, I was the speaker for a young adult ministry, and maybe about twice a year, we would have uh, question and answer nights. And I would ask for uh, I would ask for our young adults to submit questions weeks in advance because I really wanted to give good answers. Uh, because you know, I mean, some of those questions were were whoppers, man. <laughs> and uh, there there's some deep thinkers there. And one of the most challenging questions I ever got was, the Bible says honor your father and mother. How do you honor someone who abused you? and mistreated you all of your life. Does this mean we have to lie about them? Boy, I remember when I read that question and I, uh, I just scooted my chair back from my desk and I thought, wow, Lord, I don't, I don't know what to do with that. 
And the Holy Spirit said, okay, let's, let's take a closer look at this. And in Ephesians 6, 2, and uh, the New Testament was primarily written in Greek and uh, Aramaic. And the word honor, this might surprise you, the word honor in honor your father and mother isn't say nice things about. The word honor means to estimate the value. Think about that. So let's go back to my question giver. How do you honor your father and mother when you've been abused and mistreated by them or one of them? You estimate the value. So I'll, I'll paint another picture. I'm in my 50s, so um, I used to watch uh, Antiques Roadshow quite regularly, and that's why I say I'm in my 50s. And what, what was interesting about the show is people would bring things they found in their attic or something that's been in their family for generations, and they, they just want to know what it's worth. And so there's an appraiser there who will estimate the value. And he will he or she will just look at it very dispassionately, whether it's a, uh, an old painting or whether it's a, a watch or uh, a piece of furniture. And they will say, now, if you look here, you'll notice there's a scratch here. It's missing, it's missing a brand name here. That's going to lower the value just a little bit. And, and so they walk through all the things that could possibly lessen or raise the value of an object. And then finally, they will tell them um, what they believe it's worth and how much to insure it for. We don't lie to make people look good. However, what I think is important in honoring father and mother, if they didn't do it well, I think it's important for us to look at their history. I think it's important for us to look at if we can know how they were raised. I've known a lot of kids in youth ministry whose dads were rather gruff with them. They were believers in Christ, but they were gruff and didn't show a lot of affection. But as I got to know some of the parents, I would tell their kids, because they knew it too, I said, hey, keep in mind, you know, your dad got slapped around by his father his whole childhood. To your dad, the fact that he's not smacking you around and physically abusing you means he's doing better. And he is. I know it's not everything that you want, but you have to realize historically, because we're estimating the value here. And yeah, it's okay to say, boy, I wish, I just wish he would have like hugged me or something or told me he was proud of me. That's probably a lot of people listening to this podcast. And it's okay to estimate the value that way. But get an understanding of where they came from. That's, that's kind of what I ended up doing with my father. Even though he and I had a very cold, very distant relationship for almost my entire life. And there were long swaths of time that we didn't even speak to each other. 
when I took the time to understand how he grew up and what he faced, he was much younger than his siblings. And I think he was a bit of a surprise to his folks. And having met my grandfather on that side, even when I was a little guy, um, he was a nice enough man, but I could tell between the two of them, there wasn't a lot of warmth, which ended up being my father and me as well. And it helped me to come to the conclusion that he just didn't have a lot of tools in his toolbox when he became a parent. And so what happened was when he started having children, those slight deficiencies became outright fractures because children don't change who we are. They exacerbate who we are. And we've heard many stories of children of artists who were at least emotionally and spiritually discarded uh, by their artistic dad and really did a lot of damage. And they spent the rest of their lives hearing other people say how great they were. <laughs> and what I'm trying to convey is that you don't have to choose whether to be a great artist or a great parent. But if you're going to err, err on the side of family, because that's the biblical choice. And if you have to lay aside something, I don't think it necessarily has to come to that. It's better to lay aside your craft than your kids. Because ultimately, that's who you're accountable for as we remember who we are accountable to. Well, we appreciate you being a part of the MatCast. Please share this with a friend. We'd love to expand our MatCast family. And if you have any questions or comments, you can email me at mattcastworld. That's all one word, mattcastworld at gmail.com. Our theme music is by Sound of Fusion. This has been a production of Monumental Ministries. If you'd like more information, go to mattministry.com. Hey, thanks for having me over. I had a wonderful time. <laughs>